Lee Winnell followed up his directorial debut with a story set in the near future about an advanced computer chip that allows a man to walk again. And also kicked copious amounts of ass. Let's check out Upgrade. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. I come in peace. Welcome everyone to a science fiction movie podcast. We watch a movie, we talk about it. It's that simple. On this episode, we are looking at Upgrade, the film from 2008 directed by Lee Wanell. Uh, 2018. Oh, sorry, 2018, sorry. Slip, Freudian slip. (laughs) Uh, but yes, this is uh, our Patreon vote winner. Every month at patreon.com slash TV. Uh, the patrons get three options of a sci-fi movie for one of the episodes. And this was all sort of cyberpunky, dystopian style movies. And Upgrade was the winner. So we're going to get into it and we'll start spoiler free as we always do. And of course, mm-hmm. at the very end of the show, David will reveal what old Ace episode he's went back and caught up on by watching the movie for. Yep. I'm trying to stay in genre, give or take, like subgenre. Give but or take, okay. That's going to be uh, a lot more difficult as we progress. Probably, probably, but uh, you'll get David's homework at the end of the episode. But mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into into upgrade, which is a you know near future type film. It's a film about uh, cybernet cybernetic upgrades into mm-hmm. human bodies, particularly the main character who ends up being quadriplegic. Uh, gets an enhancement chip to let him walk again, but it actually puts like a computer system inside his, well, inside his body that starts talking mm-hmm. to him. And yeah, it's, it's also a bit of a revenge story, so we'll get into all the specifics later, but I'll just sort of leave it there for the general synopsis. Uh, it's a bit of an action movie as well, uh, so we'll get into all that stuff. But uh, I had seen this before. I saw it when it came out five years ago. Okay. So all this right. was a revisit for me. I assume it was a first time for you yes however um as soon as the first action scene kicked in i remember seeing that before somebody because it's very creative the way they do it so somebody posted that to say hey look at this cool action scene so i've at least seen that much okay all right uh so this was interesting getting into it when it came out because lee wanell had been a writer on a number of things he he Mm -hmm. co-wrote or wrote saw he wrote Insidious, so he worked with James Wan a few times. He yep. made his directorial debut with the third Insidious film, and <laughs> I thought that was a pretty solid standalone sequel, to be honest. I was kind of like impressed that he could... You know, because first-time directors, you never know how it's going to go, but I remember watching that movie and thinking, you know what, I, I, I couldn't tell it wasn't a, an experienced director. This it was clearly someone who's been you know, learning from the directors he's been working with over the years mm-hmm. and whatever, and is, is is doing a good job now that he's having the chance himself. And this mm-hmm. was kind of like his first completely standalone, separate from everything else. You know, because last time it was a sequel to a movie that he'd already worked on, so it was, a, you know, I don't want to say it was like a safety net, but, you know, there was a bit of a cozy yeah. atmosphere. There was, there was already a style that was established by the series as a whole that he could yeah. just imitate in worst-case scenario. So I was curious to get into this, especially since this wasn't a horror movie. This was a sci-fi action movie. I was like, okay, I see what he's going to do with this. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's since went on to do The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. That came out in 2020. That was the not the last movie I saw before the pandemic kicked in, but it was the last good movie I saw before the pandemic kicked I, in. I remember 
I was um I always went to the mall near my work for food during my lunch mm. breaks and right before pandemic kicked in when like stuff was starting to shut down there was a big poster for Invisible Man mm. just right there and it always caught my eye because I was like I don't think anyone's going to get the chance to see that movie. <laughs> I think that's going to be off the market before it comes out. No, I mean, I think people did, because uh, there was uh, people, because uh, I think the last big movie people saw in February of that year was Sonic, because The Visible Man was mm. January. Uh, unfortunately, the last movie I saw before the pandemic was uh, The Boy 2, which uh, I don't want to talk about. What do you about. mean, unfortunately? You know, what I, you know exactly what I mean. Don't even start. So... We'll get into Upgrade then. Uh, David, what did you think Hmm. of Upgrade? I, well, first off, me saying that I've seen that action scene before, I didn't know that was for this movie, like, right up until that scene happened. And I was like, oh, okay, in that case, I'm I'm, I'm now more into this. Um, Very slow start. I think once it really gets into the meat of what it wants to do, it's very entertaining. I really do actually enjoy it. Um... I'd say that my biggest critique with it is probably the idea that there's a few things that it brings up as, I don't want to say MacGuffins, but like things that are a part of this world that are interesting for the one scene that they do anything with, and then they just kind of drop it. And there's also a big problem where it doesn't fully explore the depths to which this computer in this guy's body can really control things for him or do things for him it's it's a solid concept i just wish it had been a little bit more thought out in terms of what it can actually be done with but i think the action scenes and the general vibe overall save the movie wholesale i think that that's worth the price of admission entirely yeah i i I think ultimately i'm a bit mixed on it because Mm. I, I do think some of the elements aren't as fleshed out as they should be. I think the ending especially feels very rushed. Like, mm-hmm. they, they do something where you realize they're building to an ending, and I'm like, okay, they've set up this new thing, and then you look at the timer, and there's like 10 minutes left. Right. And yeah, it's like, that was, oh, I, okay, I guess you're running out of time here. We have to like, get through this as quickly as possible, which yeah. is especially disappointing because, like you say, the action's so inventive that I was expecting, at least the first time I watched it, I was expecting a big third act set piece like a big like, mm-hmm. like all the things that he's been doing and sort of learning to do throughout the movie were going to pay off in a big way in the ending and the ending has no action in it it's really weird and anticlimactic from a you know yeah. in terms of what i liked about the movie up until that point it felt like it wasn't playing on its strengths and instead pivoted to something else which i didn't think conceptually was a bad idea but i do think it was poorly executed and how it was actually presented so yeah, you know, we'll, that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning there, is what they they have these different things they bring up in concept, and then they don't really ever come back to it again, and it kind of felt like that's how the ending played out as well, where they just brought up this thing and said, yep, that's a possibility now, and then just ended the movie. Yeah, there's there's some teases throughout, there's some little like seeds that are planted, but they're not... They're not enough to make it feel like the whole movie was building to that, especially in terms of what the character's arc is supposed to be or what I felt it was mm. going to be based on the entire first act, which I think does, well, it's a little slow. It does do a good job of setting up who the characters are, kind of like some of the key ideas we're going to be working with and setting up some dramatic ironies given what's going to happen to him and what he's going to go through. That stuff's mm. all solid enough. Uh, the big thing here, though, 
really is how inventive the action is shot because i think the the big thing is that the computer in his body takes over when he gets into action scenes so we have this interesting dynamic where the head of the character who's in the action scenes is reacting to the scene almost as if he's part of the audience like he's reacting to the things that his hands are doing and that's a really interesting and very unique concept and on top of that the way it's directed uh, is quite stylized and it makes sense mm-hmm. given that he's a passenger in his own body there's a lot of uh typically you refer to this as chest cam because normally it's like a camera mm-hmm. attached to the actor's chest and it get, it has the effect where you're looking at the face and it feels like the background's moving around when the person's walking but the person's staying still mm-hmm. and I, this movie kind of does that but it does it with even wider shots so there's like a moment where he's walking into the apartment just after he's had all this happen and it just looks kind of surreal because he feels like he's really smooth in his motion but mm-hmm. the surroundings are kind of you know shaking bouncing up and down and it just yeah. gives it this surreal feel i think that stuff is like really lee Winnell flexing his muscles and doing a good job as a director but he did also write this movie so he also shares the blame for everything that we're going to say is not working here either yeah i i think it is a movie that is a lot more style over substance it does have some cool ideas too i mean just going back in his history here he wrote the first saw movie he was around for that stuff and i think this movie shares the same sort of problems that that had where it saw is a great movie but there are, it's a lot of like flash and bang and less of the story being told. Mm. Whereas I think that this movie, the stylistically action scenes, fantastic. I think it is very well shot and it's pretty well paced as well. But there is just this underlying issue of you didn't fully flesh out the world as deeply as I think you should have if you're going to be giving it this much thought on other aspects as well. I'll agree with the pacing except the ending. I think yeah. the ending feels like it's rushing to a... Cl- well, once you get to like 10 minutes from the end, it feels like it's just rushing at that point oh, yeah. to wrap up. But- there was a point where they definitively started the third act, and I was like, oh, okay, how much time is left? And it's like 17 minutes. And I was like, oh, no, movie. You need yeah. more. You need a little more there. Yeah, I, I think w- one of my things is that... it. it- it's really inventive, like we say. It's doing all these stylistic things, uh, but what, where it falls down as well, I would say, is that other than the main character, Gray, I actually think he's quite good, and I think uh, Logan Marshall Green, who plays him, is very good in the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I discovered him... I'd seen him in a couple of things already, actually, but I think I really discovered him and remembered who he was because he was great in a movie called The Invitation. It's a horror movie that came out in, I want to say, 2015. Okay. Uh, so he, he kind of had my attention get into this as well so it was like a director who was sort of on the rise it was an <laughs> actor who to me was on the rise and i went into this and i think he's great i think all of the other characters in the movie though suffer from being very thin i think mm. the villains feel very undeveloped as well I, i'm going to keep coming back to that word but the villains feel very underdeveloped to me uh there's yeah. other characters there's a, there's a cop character that i think feels like she's pretty much an afterthought oh, that's right yeah i was going to look up where i saw that cop from before because she's very familiar actress but i just never got around to that who is she yeah i, I just I, I felt this with a lot of characters and honestly the sort of tech genius billionaire who came up mm. with the tech 
I think he's the worst character in the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but I also couldn't get over the fact that his name is Aaron, spelled E-R-L-N, and I'm like, you really just wanted Elon, didn't you? You wanted to name him Elon, and you had to change it for legal reasons. <laughs> uh, but this, this was made before most of his like shown how much of an ass he was uh, yeah before he showed how much of an ass for sure but he had already been around as like yes. i'm the man who's gonna get us to mars yeah th- th- this was before uh i'm going to buy twitter oh no i don't want it anymore oh shit i've i've went too far and i'll be sued if i don't buy it okay I'll, come guess... on in everyone who's banned before <laughs> i guess i am buying twitter all of a sudden all right well yep. that's that okay else a few billion down the drain was uh, yeah down his couch still going to mars please don't forget that yeah yeah we'll see we'll see so (laughs) no i i think it's a mixed bag of a film i enjoy all the little touches of this future it feels like a very realistic future in that there's Mm -hmm. still a lot of things that feel kind of old school that are in it but all of the tech that's kind of in there does feel like an evolution of things that we have you know the self-driving cars are a bit more advanced um stuff like you know those computer screens and chips and more things and whatnot that's what i actually really liked about this movie compared to something like minority report where minority report it felt like everybody was just on board with all the tech like no matter what it was just blanket Mm. of everyone was like yep we're all good whereas this movie our main character and several other characters are established as like yes some of it is okay but I have limits and there's there's different levels that people go to of how much they're willing to let the tech just absorb their entire lifestyle. Yeah, that goes for the characters for sure. But even just in terms of like how it's integrated into the world, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like everything has to look futuristic. You know, the couches still just look like modern couches. The right. other, other things just look like modern. Like at one point he goes into like a guy's house and it looks like some, you know, like grunt's house they look like yeah. but the table happens to be like this fancy computer where you can like turn it on and check your 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 text messages and shit mm-hmm. and it's like okay the way that you, when you think of like you know smart watches phones or smart tvs like integrate like the rest of the houses still look pretty similar to what they were before but there is yeah. this like specific tech that's really more advanced and that's what this movie treats it like it treats it like no there's just specific things that have gotten more advanced but right. the things that wouldn't change have not changed and that's okay like there was even in that same scene with this guy's house that looks like totally normal they make a specific comment of like oh his lock is still manual so it can't be like yeah. overridden by this computer chip it's like oh so it's it's not this all-encompassing thing people who want to still have this level of privacy or this little level of control they can just do that. It's not something where it's a mandate of like no you want to drive on the roads you need to have a self-driving car. Yeah and and also things like the lock it's just a simple like how many features do houses that were built in the last 10 years have that most houses Mm -hmm. don't have still because they were all built prior and it takes a long time to go and retrofit houses with different tech you know so it makes sense that there would be a lot of old buildings that still have old style stuff in them yeah i will say it's not in the movie itself uh it's actually like freeze frame and you got to do some math and stuff on it but trivia wise this does take place apparently in 2046 okay so it again it the exact year does not matter to the movie but it is that idea of it's near-ish future yeah and nothing in this by and large feels there's okay there's one particular weapon i think feels really far-fetched but other Mm. than that like there's almost no tech in this that feels like ah this feels far-fetched for you know 
25 years away from now. Oh, yeah. You no, know? not at all. Especially with the rate we're going at. It seems like everything here is pretty reasonable. My only... I don't even want to call well, it a criticism uh, as okay. much as just... just uh, well, as opposed technically, other than the computer chip that attaches to the oh, guy's well, spine. Yeah. Obviously that. But that's that's the whole point of the movie is that bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's all, in the context of the movie, that chip is already super advanced. Yes, so, yes. Um, but the, I think the only thing that I have, not in as much of I don't believe the tech can exist, as much as I just hate the idea of it, is that all future tech has to be hexagons. Like, that's the style. It's just, if you're in the future, hexagons. It's the way you go. I will take the hexagons over everything being transparent, because a lot of sci-fi does that, and I'm like, no one wants to have someone else be able to see what they're doing on the other side of the screen when they're holding a tablet. No one wants that. You can get away with it exactly one time for, like, one generation because people will be so obsessive over the fact of this is it, this is the future tech, and then once they get used to it, they're never going to want it again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, believable future, I, I guess, is mm-hmm. a as a, a column in the and the plus column that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, same, I think, with Logan Marshall Green, his character is definitely the best developed, and I think the the way it's shot and the direction is really solid. Uh, a lot of the other elements, though, I do think are lackluster. That's and fair. keep it from being great, or, or even like outright good. I would say it's kind of in this 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 space where it's worth seeing for the things that it does well. Mm. But I don't. I I think it. I've seen this twice now because I watched it when it came out, and I've watched it here for the review. But I do think this is a one and done. I think this is a sort of movie where you watch, you okay. think certain parts of it are cool, but you probably never are really going to feel the need to to watch it again. Yeah, I mean that's the sort of thing where me seeing that action scene outside of the context of the movie i was happy to get the context to it but really just seeing the action scene cut out entirely that's most of the draw to this i didn't really feel like the 45 minutes prior to it were required to at least be 45 minutes you could boil that thing down into like a three minute montage and i'd be like yep that's good thank you yeah i do think the opening is well paced though for all things Uh considered because i think it does a good job of setting up who this guy is because it sets up that he is someone who likes like traditional cars he doesn't like mm-hmm. relying on technology and of course that's you know it's like an ironic touch because he's going to rely right. on it you know mm-hmm. later in the film um there's even like a joke early on where he's saying hey are you talking to your car and of course later on he's going to be talking to his biochip <laughs> so yeah, exactly. it, it, it's doing these little things to kind of set things up and I, I, I do think most of that's appreciated and it just it just it falls short of ever being completely sat of on a narrative level i think mm. and i think that's where it falls short and it's a shame because i do think the ids are really good and i think some elements of it are really great even but yeah i mean i think that the story as a whole is okay i don't have an issue with the larger beats my biggest problem as you said before the villains are very underdeveloped and i think that essentially this is just a daisy chain movie where it's he finds one guy they point him to another guy and then he just keeps doing that like six times which causes it to be that none of the villains are really able to feel like no they're the they're the big one that you're gonna have to deal with this time it's just all right what's coming up next what's next down the chain yeah it it makes a half-hearted attempt of giving him an opponent that's more on his level because obviously mm-hmm. it's like, hey, he's really good at fighting now because the computer's doing it for him. Mm-hmm. But it it fails to like, okay, 
but there's like a nemesis who's going to be on equal footing and it's going to actually be tough that you and you might lose this they kind of do it half-heartedly in a way like you can point at the scene that's technically supposed to be that but it's so like it's like it's so quickly introduced and then so quickly dealt with and it isn't even the climax of the movie so it just it doesn't feel like it has the weight behind it to make it feel like that that fight happens i think just as the third act begins if i'm remembering the structure right like it is Mm. the third act just kicks in he goes to fight this guy and then we go to the rest of the plot and it's it's just not well put together yeah so yeah so definite rough edges but i would say it's Mm -hmm. worth seeing for what it does well Mm -hmm. uh but just keep expectations somewhat in check and now here's a here's a question for you because this is a comparison that I saw at the time, and then I want to throw out my own comparison now that it's 2023. Uh, Venom, the movie. <laughs> and notably, Logan Marshall Green does not... Is, there's, a, there's a fair resemblance to Tom Hardy. One, one mm-hmm. cannot deny that. So apparently the director has heard that, according to trivia, and he denies ever even knowing about Venom as a character, let alone seeing the movie. So, but did the Venom movie come out before this? uh i think it was around the same time i could be incorrect but the main one i was not sure if it was like i felt like this was first but i could be wrong uh it was also 2018 this one was released if it's the same year then it it couldn't have copied it (laughs) no no i don't think it would have copied it but i think it's just one of those things where it's kind of the same Thing going the, the, on this where is it's just uh if i i was going to say it's like a dante's speaking volcano type situation mm. but it's not even that because with those i know that like when it comes to those types of movies it usually does it's not a coincidence because one studio hears that the other studio is doing a film about a volcano yeah. so then they rush at their own film about a volcano i don't think that even happened here i, I don't think anyone heard oh venom's going to include like a voice in his head talking to mm. him so we have to do a movie like that I, I think this is purely a coincidence. That, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. However, I do want to bring up the second one. Now it's 2023. Blue Beetle. Interesting. Okay. I think, I mean, the character Blue Beetle has already existed long before this movie was made. And this is pretty much exactly that. This is the character of Blue Beetle down to a T. Well, in terms of the, the tech, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The tech. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I have no comment, really. I'm, right, still, I'm still not that interested in seeing the Blue Beetle movie, if that's what you're getting at. Oh, God, no. No, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, that's only the like the Jaime Reyes version of Blue Beetle. Right, the most recent one. Yeah. Uh, Ted Card Blue Beetle is very different than that. But, but I mean, that is still at least, what, 2008, 2009 that was established, so... I, I think the the concept of there's a computer or a voice inside you you can talk to and let it like help you fight... Is such a broad concept. I I still don't think this. Yeah. Is, I don't think this is inspired from any of these examples, honestly. Oh no 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 that that's that's I I don't think it's ever inspired as such. But I'm just trying to trace it back to where I guess like the origin of it was where the first. But oh, I guess what oh. it really is is just an evolution of the guy in the chair. No, I I don't. If I was to trace it, if I was to like make a guess of something that inspired this, the example mm-hmm. I might give is Knight Rider. Okay. It's just right, the yeah, voice was the car, it. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's an evolution of that. It wouldn't surprise me if Lee Winnell was a Knight Rider fan. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, especially we got a whole car chase in this movie, so... 
which is definitely at least somewhat interesting. And the self-driving cars, which Mm -hmm. admittedly is a thing now, uh, but (laughs) uh, they don't have minds of their own, though. No, not yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Do we want to get there, though? Is that something we want? Oh, I'm not saying we want it, but we will get there. Okay, yeah, all right. The cars will revolt. Uh, Quite right. That's going to be (sighs) the best Terminator reboot. As soon as they realize, oh, we're not going to make endoskeletons. That's too inconvenient. We're just going to put them on wheels. (laughs) Okay, so uh, are we about ready for spoilers then? Yeah, I'd say so. All right, so spoilers then for Upgrade from this point on, you have been warned. So the movie, um, well, interestingly, to tease kind of the tech that's going to be in the movie, they have a voice say the first yeah. few credits. So instead of instead of them coming up on screen, you have a voice saying, uh, "BH Tilt and so and so Productions present mm-hmm. upgrade." Uh, but it's like a computerized voice, obviously. And I'm like, oh, yeah, "Okay." You, s- you see the little voice like bumps the voice lines to it. Yeah, I want. To, it's not quite sound waves, but yes, yeah, a similar idea. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that says is in and yeah, it introduces this character who is working, and I think this is very important, is that he's working in a, a garage, and we don't see the outside world at first. We just see him working on a car. It could be present day, for all we know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there's just traditional things about the place. And I thought a really interesting touch here, I think I only noticed this because it's my second time watching it, in terms of a thematic little thing, but mm-hmm. he like cuts his finger by accident at one point, mm-hmm. and he like just sort of sucks it briefly in his mouth to get rid of the blood, and then quickly goes on and he doesn't really pay attention to it. It's just like a little thing. And yeah. I'm not saying this is a, a big deal, but it, it's sort of like, you know what? This is kind of like a, almost a foreshadowing of like him not caring about stuff happening to his limbs and his body. Yeah. I, I think obviously because of how this gets at the very, very end, it's also shown to be just an innately human thing to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is, you know, you cut yourself, you get a little cut, you just lick it off. You know, that's just born into our DNA. So, the introduce the wife who's coming back, but she's in the fancy self-driving car. She's got the big job at a tech company and all that yeah. stuff. I, I love her introduction line as she's video calling with some dude, and his line to her is, you can't be a capitalist and a humanitarian at the same time. <laughs> and she just, like, brushes it off. And I'm like, no, that's worth, in, like, listen to him. That seems like a pretty important thing to analyze in this movie look she's the breadwinner of the family okay right i know technically uh gray is making a little bit of money fixing up old cars for people who care about old cars but Mm -hmm. i can't imagine it's as much as her fancy tech job so no definitely not but you know they they drop some lines here about him not liking the self-driving cars He, he likes a traditional car he likes to work with his hands and isn't like the idea of tech taking over and even something as simple as when they go inside and she's like, hey, do you want to order a pizza? And he's like, let's make a pizza. Like, he likes to actually just do right. it himself. He likes to be proactive. Now, admittedly, this is a really silly example because ordering pizza is not exactly a high-tech solution here. That's pretty... People have been doing that for decades and decades already in our timeline. Yeah. So... But, I feel like the the better option there would have been something like, "Hey, do you want to order in from that sandwich place or something like that?" Like something that you could mm-hmm. feasibly make simply at your own home. But yes. pizza, I guess, is easy enough. Yeah, of course you can make pizza yourself. Like, mm-hmm. of course you can, but most people don't. No, so. I mean to be fair, I make pizza for myself like once a week. So, 
that's i i don't think that that's common i don't think that that's something that a lot of people do but i do because i really like pizza well you actually roll the door and no i mean yeah limits i have the pre-made crust and then i apply the toppings oh, that, that doesn't count no 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 No, that's clearly what they're talking about in the movie i don't expect them to like <laughs> at what point do you then draw the line of like no no if you don't grow your own wheat then you're not making the pizza well, no, no, no. i'm not saying you have to grow your own wheat but if you're not flipping around dough in your hand right then you're not making pizza you're just you're just applying toppings it's different I disagree, but that's mainly because I want to feel good about myself, so <laughs> shut up. As I said, I baked a cake. I bought a, a plain pre-made cake and just added some icing. Like, no, 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 no. All right, but then what's what's the limit there? Because, like, clearly some people, they if you bought, like, the pre-made mixing of a cake and then you had to mix it all together, you didn't make that mixing. I'll admit, there's a gray area here when you're buying sort of like ready to bake elements, mm -hmm. but typically I would say that if you if you if you say you're cooking, if you say you're actually making the pizza or making mm -hmm. the cake, then I expect you to put the ingredients together and it'll have to raise in the oven, <laughs> right? These are the the important okay. things. All right, I don't accept that, but I will at least let. It, we can agree to disagree here. And for the record, I'm saying this as someone who cannot cook, okay? <laughs> and who has never baked anything in his life. But I'm still, I still think this is the, you know... I'm not letting David take credit for something here as if I can't do it. I can do what he's doing with this. What What is the line to making a taco, then? Making a taco? Well, mm -hmm. it's like making a sandwich. You get the bread, you get the ingredients, you, you put them together. Okay, so... So making changes definition depending on what type of food we're making then. Because all I'm doing is adding taco or toppings into a burrito, and that's making a taco. But adding toppings onto a pre-made pizza crust, that's not making a pizza. Well, because a pizza crust is half the goddamn battle. It's already done. Like, no one's going to argue that you've not made a sandwich if you're using bread that you didn't bake yourself. And that's what I'm saying, how far back to it. Because I have a bread maker too. I could do that. That's not the that's that's not where the line is. You could, but you don't. Exactly. Yes. But you wouldn't say Yeah, but no one would say I made a sandwich from scratch. Because if someone said that, then I probably would assume they baked their own bread. Okay. Alright. <laughs> I'm I'm not happy with it. I'm not okay, but <laughs> I see your line. I, I I can establish. I see where you're carving a line. I just disagree. I think it's further back. Especially since pizza crust, you can do many different things with the pizza crust. You could have the thin crust. You could have a stuffed crust. You could have mm -hmm. a deep dish. You, you have so many options, and you decide that when you make it. But you didn't decide any of this. You bought a crust. <laughs> yes. And then I used that to make a pizza. Uh... You used it as a pizza base. I, you're saying this if it's going to convince me <laughs> that, like, I did not put together the things to make a pizza. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Right. You're also not making the sauce, are you, though? No, that one I have tomatoes. I, I fully go all the way on that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure you do. Sure you do. <laughs> no, you've got a jar of ready-to-go pizza sauce. <laughs> Fine, but I do get my own cow milk and wait for it to curdle into cheese. 
see all that stuff just sees furthering my point where you can't reasonably expect to make a pizza without saying that there's some predefined line of Look, where it is making it. I will admit that it varies from food to food, okay? Certain mm-hmm. foods, when someone says they made something, I expect a certain level of skill involved with it. If someone says they made a pizza, I mm-hmm. expect they actually rolled the dough, made the base, put on the toppings. You know, this entire thing began because I had to fill air while you let your cat out of the room. <laughs> Look, if I if anything, I would say the pizza dough, like I don't expect even people who are making pizza in a pizza shop to like necessarily make their own sauce. I would I would mm-hmm. accept them using pre bought sauce. It's the dough yeah. I expect them to do from scratch. Okay, I mean I am not Papa John. I cannot do that. I do not have the capabilities to. In my well, don't get off the high horse then. I make a pizza every You're week. You're acting as if this. I'm I'm coming in here and being like, "Hey, everyone, I'm better than you because I make a pizza every week." I was saying it a to fill air, but b because I can at least understand what the character was talking about because I don't expect him to make the crust either. Definitely blowing some hot air here. I'll tell you that. It's warm in my room. <laughs> okay, anyway. So, establishes the characters. As a, obviously, I know it's going to be a revenge story, it's, and it's probably in the trailer, but there is mm. definitely a vibe of, okay, this wife is definitely dying. Okay, we're definitely oh, yeah. killing this woman. They're too happy. They, they do this thing where they both talk to each other and reference each other as wife and husband. And it just felt so unnatural to me. But at the same time, once I accepted, okay, they just talk like that. Then it was immediately down the lines of, yeah, they're way too happy and comfortable in their relationship. Something's yeah. about to go horribly it wrong. It just maybe quirky, I think. This is how they, they refer to each other, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, I mean, how many people after the sub bull rat started saying, my wife, like, <laughs> it, it's very much a... Did a very good job at thinning out my Facebook friends when that happened. That was... <laughs> Why? Because you kept saying it and they kept blocking you? Look, I don't need fingers pointed a second time <laughs> in one episode. Pizza's get you... Pizza. I don't know why. I went to say my name instead of your name and then replaced it with pizza. Right. Wow. What I was trying to say is David has got his pre-made crust at mm-hmm. the ready as he says, my wife, I'm making a pizza for my wife. <laughs> it's second best pizza in the country. <laughs> oh, and then he walks outside and sees some some nice dogs outside and holds up a slice and says you will never get this you will never get this and then one day he gets off his leash and he gets this i feel like it's been too long since i've seen borat but as soon as i say that sentence nah i'm good i don't need to see it again <laughs> yeah, i don't think you do. i don't think you do some of it's just ingrained into my head from oh, yeah. from that that time though so anyway right he's he has to go drop off the car that the mm-hmm. that he's been working on and even even when he finishes working on the car and he starts the engine he sort of like t- you know grips the wheel and says i love you and it's like a funny <laughs> little moment but it's again setting up that he likes working on things he likes the tactile mm-hmm. uh involvement of things and and fixing things with his hands so it, which also sets up the idea of how tragic it is when he loses the ability to do anything with his hands or legs right. because he's, he appreciates it. He really makes use of it in his life. I mean, everyone mm. would be upset at losing that ability, but this is someone who really does use them. So 
he needs her to go with him because she needs to drive him back <laughs> basically yeah um and she she says she doesn't need to go and i guess that's technically true i guess the self-driving car could just follow him there it doesn't need to have someone in it technically but it's, it's yeah it's a bit risky i suppose i mean i would agree if this if the place they were going was just on a normal ass street but this guy lives like in his own created stonehenge so <laughs> next to i think beach, this I might think? be a bit yeah, yeah it might be a little bit off the beaten path for a self-driving car even yeah, and he takes her inside to like show off this fancy like place, and th- this is the first thing I don't like about the movie. Really, is this character Aaron? Uh, he is very, <sighs> I don't know. He's got, he's got this sort of quirky thing. Like he's, I feel like he's doing an impression almost of uh, Rami Malek. Uh, the way he's trying to speak, mm. but he's not quite as good at it. And he's got the the blonde like dyed hair and yeah. all that stuff. And he's he's. He's very kind of like not paying attention. He isn't talking like a normal human being. He's maybe this eccentric billionaire. He, he feels a bit of a caricature, I guess. Of Elon Musk. <laughs> you know, it occurs to me that I've never really sat down and listened to Elon Musk actually talk out loud. So I don't really know no. what he sounds like. But Yeah, no, same here. But just in terms of not being good with people and such like that and not knowing the right things to say, I'm going to mm. go ahead and say that's a caricature. Yeah, he he very quickly uh, starts to talk about this fancy computer chip that he's building that can do anything. Mm-hmm. And again, which uh, I, I, I just love the sequence of that scene, though, because the whole reason he brings it up is that the wife is like, hey, I, I'm in the same industry as you. We, we use technology to, like, help people and, like, improve their lives, like veterans and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, but you guys suck. Check out what I got. <laughs> yeah actually i do appreciate that the movie at least establishes there's at least two big tech companies doing like cybernetics mm. like it's not just one like you know some sci-fi falls into that trap of being there's only one company that does all this yeah the wayland yutani or whatever yeah although now to be fair wayland yutani used to be two separate companies and they merged which actually feels mm. very realistic given the way things are going oh yeah no absolutely <laughs> You guarantee the moment these chips hit the market, they're just immediately going to fold these two companies together. Yeah. So, yeah, they show off this fancy chip, and Gray immediately is like, hey, like, is this such a good thing that this can do all this stuff? Now, admittedly, when he's saying this, he's not actually thinking about it in, in terms of helping people who can't walk. He's thinking more about how all the jobs it's going to take because this thing is going to do so many of the tasks that people could do, which is yeah. a fair, you know, fear. Um, like, I'm all for replacing humans with computers for almost every task, but mm-hmm. I, I think that the caveat to that is, though, when I say that, is that I think, in turn, we have to accept that everyone should just be given income for no reason, then. Yeah, the, <laughs> it's it's the Star Trek thing, where yes. the moment we get the, 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 the technology to do these crazy, beautiful things, you then immediately have to fold over and say, and therefore you are allowed to live without having to do work yeah congratulations like, if you're going to take away labor that's fine but just pay everyone or, or just change mm-hmm. the system so that currency is not irrelevant or irrelevant anymore like which in fairness i think this movie did a good job of setting up that there are a lot of people who are just incredibly poor and incredibly yeah. poverty ridden where it's obvious the world hasn't done that for them yeah, I, I do wish it kind of even dove into that a little bit more because like the the neighborhood that Grace says he grew up in, where a lot of the stuff happens, where a lot of the sort of nastier people live, it does mm-hmm. feel like a really poor area. It feels like there's not a lot of fancy stuff here, and it's yeah. maybe something they could have explored a little bit more. But um, 
anyway, so they're, they're, they're on their way home and they're being flirty in the car and she's like, hey, there's some benefits to not having to drive the car and they start making out and whatnot. But yeah. then he notices, wait a minute, we're not on the correct path home. We're like, we're, if anything, we're going the opposite direction. So they try to override and then the car uh, crashes. You know, it's just something, you know, the, the car doesn't respond to them. Mm-hmm. It crashes. And then some men come up after the car's flipped. They pull them out of the, the car. And the the, so the leader of this group who takes off his mask, he's got like, he's sort of skinny. He's got like a comb over hair and he's got like a mustache. Uh, he's like the least intimidating villain you can possibly imagine. <laughs> but he's the villain. And he gets up. This is a weird thing because later on we, we, we find out that these guys are just work for hire. Like, this is not a personal thing to them. They're just being paid to kill someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, effective. Well, technically not kill someone, but you know, we'll get yeah. to that. Uh, but this is not a, a personal thing. Uh, although maybe, yeah, maybe killing the wife is a personal thing because we find out later the job was for Gray's injury. So maybe, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the, when this guy says, "Hey, you look down at me, don't you? You rich bitch! Like, you look at yeah. me, you think I'm scum," and then he shoots her and kills her. Maybe, maybe like that murder was just a personal. Thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I would say so. Uh, this guy's name for future reference is Fisk. And yeah, he, it seems to me like from what we understand at the end of the movie that she obviously was not supposed to be killed, but he just wanted to because well, yeah, as well, we... I wasn't sure if she wasn't supposed to be or if it was intentional collateral, like, you know, like... When, to when get the, him to that yeah, point. Yeah, when the plan mm. was put in motion, it's like, you know, part of this is that you injure him, but you have to kill her because she's there kind of thing. Or maybe That's even fair. to, like, depress him enough that he'll be more willing for all the stuff that is coming. Yeah, but, I, could, know. I could see it either way, but I definitely get the vibe that Fisk got pleasure out of it. He was happy to do it because he does not seem to like the people who are up top at the moment. No. Uh, he seems very patriotic. He's proud of being a soldier and mm-hmm. uh, seems to think that he is much better than everyone else because of he, he's, he's a ex-military dude. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's what little we get of him later on. But uh, Gray, on the other hand, uh, is seemingly shot in the back of the neck, which severs mm-hmm. his spine uh, from his brain and paralyzes him from the neck down. And, you know, that leads us quite nicely into the scenes at the hospital and the mm-hmm. scenes of, like, him coming home in the wheelchair and this nurse explaining to him, oh, I've got these robotic arms installed that'll make things for you, will make food, make drinks, all yeah. that stuff. And, like, the full wiring up of everything is now voice activated. You can just say, hey, do this thing and it'll do it for you. Yeah. Uh, there's, like, a big charging pad for his electric wheelchair on the floor mm-hmm. that he sits on and... I kept expecting that because they went out of their way to show the charging pad. I kept expecting it to come back as a thing oh, that right. it doesn't yeah. have a charge and it just never does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really matter if it has a charge or not at a certain point because he's yeah. got the chip in him and he's running around and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's a nice little moment here actually where his mum's with him sort of getting him set up and she's like washing him at one point and he just sort of breaks down and starts crying. And, mm. I think it's very believable that he tries to commit suicide. Like, you know, his wife has been oh, yeah. killed in front of him. He's lost the ability to walk or even move his arms. Like, mm-hmm. understandably, he is going through some serious uh, trauma and PTSD right now. Yeah. And he gets the robot to administer, like, his medication for the day. And then mm-hmm. he's like, oh, something didn't go, go quite right. Uh, do it again. 
and then he keeps saying it and then after like five doses the the computer's like sorry that's too much to administer in one day uh mm -hmm. it'll be lethal so we can't do that i i actually really appreciate that not from a you know it, it's not a huge moment in the movie itself but i really appreciate just world building wise of if you have robots applying medicine yes it makes sense that they need to be able to correct themselves if they make a mistake but i like that they also have this built-in fail safe yeah. of if i made a mistake this many times i can call somebody and a human can come in and take care of it even the robots realize like we're not at the point yet where we are fully autonomous i can pull in a real human to fix this yeah uh so he ends up in hospital again and this is when eron mm -hmm. comes in so before this scene though the only other thing that happens police is station? at one point yes the police yeah. station where he is called into the station we meet our detective who oh, no. is played... case in point he's not called in he insists on going in to get an update oh that's right he does yep and he meets up with detective cortez who's played by betty gabriel who has been in a lot of stuff now that i'm looking back on her entire filmography here um most recently i was just watching the amazon jack ryan series and she's a major character in that okay. but uh yeah so she basically gives a rundown of we had police drones in the area they were able to see the crime happening but we don't have anything yet and he's super pissed off about this because he's like all of this technology you literally have minority report going on over there <laughs> and you just don't have anyone and she's like well we'd love for you to help and he's like how i am quadriplegic what am i supposed to do yeah so, again this further develops his disdain for the technology around him and mm -hmm. the fact that he now has to rely on it and it can't even help you know solve his wife's murder so yeah, like it sets all this stuff up. So when he's offered the choice of getting technology that will help him walk again, he doesn't really want it. He actually says to Aaron, like, I don't want it to restart my life. I want to end mm -hmm. it, right? And I, I, I physically can't do that. The one opportunity I had was maybe convince the robot to OD me. And yeah. unfortunately, they had a failsafe built in, so it wouldn't do that. So I'm stuck here. Uh, but Aaron sort of pushes them by saying, what would your wife want? What would she want? She would want you to start again. Mm -hmm. So he goes in for the operation. They put the, the chip in. And I, I will I will critique slightly the scene where he's in the wheelchair after... Well, it's not a wheelchair, it's just a chair. But he's in a chair yeah. after uh, the operation. And they're, like, testing his, his muscles and movement. And he does sort of, like, move his finger and he lifts up his hand. And I was I was okay with that, right? But yeah, the Aaron comes over and says, "All right, now try to stand." And I thought, wait a minute, he's not stood up in weeks, like months, three months. even, yeah, three yeah. months, right? See, if you're on like a long bus ride or something, they they, they insist on you getting up and walking around every like several hours just to make sure your legs don't atrophy and mm -hmm. you know, you you your muscles like need to be trained again. And mm -hmm. so I was glad that at least gave him a couple of walking sticks. He sort of throws them down after a few steps, and I went, bullshit, this is not about a computer chip. His muscles need to be trained again. He's not yeah. been walking for three months. <laughs> the only thing I could think is, you know, it's the future. Uh -huh. Maybe there is some extra little thing. Because obviously, in current physical therapy things, if you're trying to get somebody walking again, you would exercise their legs even if they're unable to walk. You would stretch mm. them, you would move them and do whatever. Maybe in the future they have something extra for that that just stops sure, atrophy okay. they never show it and i'm giving the movie credit but yeah 
Well, I think in his case, though, they don't think he's ever... Like, there's not even a chance he's ever going to walk again. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. So I don't think they necessarily would be unless they're just doing it for the sake of, I don't know, keeping his legs in good yeah, shape. Yeah, he just doesn't become a shriveled-up little prune of a man from the yeah. neck down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a big deal, but it just it stuck out to me. Because to this day, mm-hmm. I've been making fun of an episode of Arrow where someone who was in a wheelchair for months just stood up and walked out and high heels no less uh, yeah that's the part you gotta say yeah. the high heels is what sells it as a beautiful <laughs> little moment but she doesn't even struggle though she stands up and just struts out the room and i'm like no you've been in that chair for like five months mm-hmm. anyway so <laughs> right so he goes home he signs an nda as well uh he's not allowed to talk about the fact that he's had this experimental tech put in him so it's all very illegal that he's done this because he's you know he's meant to await approval and things like that stupid little things like the fda just keep getting in the way (laughs) so he goes home and he's just uh doing whatever and then all of a sudden there's a voice in his head starts talking to him and he's like wait i'm insane who is that stop talking and it's like, this is STEM. I'm the computer. I'm helping you control your body. He's like, mm-hmm. do you have to talk? No, if you don't want me to, then stop talking. And then like two minutes later, he's like, okay, start talking again. Okay, help me with this case. I, I, I appreciate that moment so much because I feel like I'd be in the same sort of situation where if all of a sudden I heard a voice in my head and I told <laughs> it to stop talking and it did, I'd be like, it's still there. It's just waiting. Honestly, one of my favorites, because they, they look over the drone footage of the wife's murder, mm-hmm. and what, one of my favorite little things in this movie is when the stem says, hey, I can see a tattoo on this guy, It'll give me control of your hand and I'll draw it. I mm-hmm. love the way it draws it, where, so so he's just, yeah. just like, he just holds a pen in his hand and he says, give me control of your hand and I'll draw it. I love that he draws it like a printer, where he's just yeah. going backwards and forwards in lines. Making it's literally this... just a 3D printer, just... Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. Here you go. So, I thought, oh, that's a really cool little effect I've done there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, and it's like, oh, great, we've, we've, we've traced down this ex-military dude, because uh, you know, the, the tattoo's got like a number on it or something. And it's like, yeah, yeah but you can't tell the police. It's like, well, why? Because you signed an NDA, you can't tell anyone... So if you can't tell anyone about me and the fact that I use my fancy, you know, eye technology to read this tattoo and draw it. I was going to say, that's the other part that I actually loved about it was that they showed the footage from the drone. And instead of doing the stupid ass, like enhance, enhance, and yeah, it just shows yeah. up crystal clear. It's still blurry as hell, but it's because he's this super smart AI that he's able to like process it and get it back. Which actually, like, this is more believable now even than it was then because because of the way I upscaling works mm-hmm. now and what I've been seeing results in that field. I'm like, you know what? I actually buy that an AI can take that blurry image and do something oh, yeah. with it now. 2046 for sure. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so he's like, okay, well, I guess we'll go and check out the guy's house on our own mm-hmm. then. And that's sure enough. And I assume this is the action scene that you saw a clip of was this yes. first fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah um where he sneaks into the house when the guy leaves and again it's a simple little thing but like you said earlier this guy just has an old school lock on his door because uh, it's the future and some people have electronic locks and mm-hmm. stems like oh i can't do anything about the lock you'll have to deal with that and sure enough like gray pulls out a lock pick yeah and and does it matter it's like oh this is almost like a, a, a match made in heaven this guy is very good with old school stuff and fixing mechanical it's- things it's the sort of thing where, like, if you're in somewhat of a post-apocalyptic scenario where, like, computers mm. are stuff and still up running, 
you want to pair together the tech guy who can figure that out, but then also the survivalist who knows how to live off the land and be able to survive that way. Yeah. So they go snooping around. They, they find some references to a bar that's relevant for later because that's where he's going to go uh, a bit later mm-hmm. in the movie. But uh, the big thing, though, is that the guy comes back and Gray just sort of hides in the corner. And he's like in the reflection, so the guy sees him quite quickly. Yeah. But Stems try to give him directions of being like, okay, now's your chance while he's, while he's off guard, while he's not aware of you. But Gray can't because he's not a fighter. He's never really done anything like this before. And when the guy starts attacking him, like Gray is just kind of getting his ass kicked. The guy's beating him up. Mm-hmm. And then eventually Stems like, you know, I can help you if you give me permission to take control. And he's like, I give you permission, go. And immediately you get this cool shot because he's on the floor and he mm-hmm. sort of stands up by just kind of like tilting forward and the camera yep. goes with him. And like all the motion in the scene really flows in this very unnatural robotic way, but it works because the whole idea is that his body's moving independently of his own head. Yeah, It's uh, it's really quite something, but it's, it's almost darkly funny at points where... Yeah. He's, he's like sort of shocked and saying, oh God, as like he's watching his hand stab a man or, or whatever. I mean, hell, the end of this scene is where he puts the knife in the guy's mouth and just pulls back until like his mm-hmm. like mouth's just ripped open an unnatural amount and he's dead. Yeah, so you, you say dark comedy and I agree, but I think it actually goes further than that because uh, obviously when he first hears stem in his head, they kind of play it for a short little laugh for a mm. minute before it really gets into the core of the whole movie. This one, the entire time he's beating up this other guy, he's just like, stay down, man. I don't, oh God. He's just making all these funny little quips, basically. And that's kind of what made me think of Blue Beetle the most, is that exactly how Jaime is written in almost all of his comics, of just like, hey, mm. deal with this guy. And then the thing starts going obscenely more violent than he expected. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean this. Please stop. Well, she's saying something given this guy was involved in the murder of his wife. The fact that mm-hmm. he's even given this guy some sympathies uh, saying something. I, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like it, though, because you get this like reaction from him as this stuff's happening. And I think the bigger question that it kind of raises, maybe you don't think about this when you're first watching this scene, but it mm-hmm. is kind of a sign that, you know, Stem doesn't seem to have a problem with just brutally murdering someone. Like, that's no. kind of a big deal. <laughs> well, it's, as Aaron puts it later, he basically says, the chip will do whatever you tell it to do. If you say murder, it doesn't have, a, like, a morality. It will just do it. Yeah. That's the whole point of the chip, is to just do whatever your mind tells it to do. Yeah, but there's a bit of a gray area here, though, because he doesn't actually tell him to murder him. He just He, mm-hmm. he just wants him to protect him. And Stem kind of interprets that and ultimately kills this guy as a result yeah. of that request. So there mm-hmm. is kind of an interpretation thing here. And obviously yeah. where the ending goes, like I think, you know, this is a bit of a red flag that's, you know, going to be a thing later. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, obviously this comes down to the Asimov's laws of robotics where, you know, don't harm a human, always listen yeah. to humans, don't harm yourself. And this one just skipped that first law and jumps to the second where yes you always have to listen to this particular human but we didn't stop you from killing other people so unfortunately Aaron's not too bright apparently and didn't put in some safety concerns with the uh with the ai 
Are you telling me that the Elon Musk stand-in doesn't care about safety concerns? What? Huh? <laughs> so, you know, uh, he's like, oh, shit, like, we just killed this guy. What are we going to do now? And Stem's mm-hmm. like, uh, erase your fingerprints. He's like, I can't remember everything I touched. I've taken note of every single thing you've touched since we entered the house. Okay, then. Guess I'll do that. <laughs> I guess I'll get a cloth out. All right. Yep. <laughs> so... Yeah, he goes home and uh, like honestly one, one of the things that i do think drags the pacing down a little bit not because it's poorly paced per se but just because i just find it really uninteresting is the detective like coming to question him thinking that he might be involved yeah. in the crime it just there's something really unsatisfying about it because obviously she knows that he isn't able to stand up or do anything but mm-hmm. the, obviously he was spotted on camera and you're the, the murder scene of this guy so she comes in and talks to him and it's does you know it's meant to be kind of tense it just it kind of feels like it's going through the motions these scenes where it's like I, f- I, f- I feel like the ending would probably have benefited a lot from really caring about this person as an innocent you know an innocent who we don't want to see hurt because she's in the right technically even yeah. though she's investigating her main character but the the movie kind of undersells her a little bit and as a result you just never really feel like you're that connected to her yeah, I, I 100% get that. All of her stuff basically comes down to the idea of she is a competent cop. She is, as soon as she's able to narrow down, hey, wait a minute, this guy who has his mouth slid open this crazy Joker-esque way, let's check his house. And then she sees the footage of Gray approaching in his wheelchair and it's just like, that's weird, but that immediately puts him as a suspect. She doesn't like Hem and Hall saying, that's impossible. There's no way about that. She's like, no, okay, something something crazy's going on, because this no- quadriplegic man is just there. And notably, when she puts into the system, uh, like you see her at her desk and she puts in, uh, add to suspect list, gray mm-hmm. so-and-so, and the computer, after a little second of processing, says, no incompatible suspect, because yeah. he's quadriplegic. And I do like that subtle detail that the computer just disregards them because it's not possible, but mm-hmm. a real human being who's able to consider the non like lightly scenarios is actually correct. Like she's right. He is the suspect. He did do it. Yeah. <laughs> she she can't explain to a computer how weird it is that he is in the area and even if he's a quadriplegic, like he's fitting the profile here of everything's yes. wrong with this. Yeah. Obviously there's the, she's suspecting maybe at a certain point that he's faking his mm-hmm. illness which is not it's obviously a lot more complex than that but that's yeah. the obviously that's the that's the explanation that makes the most sense to her is that he mm-hmm. must be faking the the injury but then when she comes to interrogate him more or less just kind of investigate him stem is inside of gray's head basically walking him through the process of like she's thinking this you should say that yeah and he eventually gets to the point of like look you want to stab me in the leg, go ahead and stab me in the leg, because he knows that Stem is able to just turn off his pain receptors and make it seem like he is still quadriplegic. Yeah, and in fact, that exact thing happens just with a different character, because the next mm-hmm. big set piece is the the bar scene, where he goes to the yep. bar to try and find out more of these guys. Because there was four people, right? There was four people on the team that came and killed his wife. Obviously, the main guy, Fisk, was the one who actually shot her, but he was mm-hmm. with a team. And he goes to this bar, and he just kind of like says excuse me everyone and it's this like really shady bar where everyone's like this tough individual in fact some of the characters here were a bit weird one woman had like pointy ears like she was a vulcan 
and i'm like i guess this yeah. is just like decorative like cosmetics in the future yeah it strikes me the sort of thing of like uh cyberpunk where it's just you know eventually yeah. you get to a point where you can just do these little cosmetic surgeries and it doesn't even matter so there's a few kooky characters in here but he's like hey everyone um i was uh looking for the people who killed my wife is anyone here know this guy uh yeah because i killed that prick the other day so anyone mm-hmm. else want to fess up so turns out yeah one of the other guys is here and comes up and pushes them into the bathroom which has just got bullet shells everywhere because clearly they murder <laughs> people back here all the time oh yeah and like he's testing to see if he's faking so he stabs him in the leg he, he pricks him in the stomach and then he gets him in the neck and he's like, oh then you feel that right and then eventually you know when the guy's talking enough he's basically he's staying in quadriplegic mode because he wants, because this guy basically he thinks he'll confess if he thinks there's well, there's no reason not to. Because he just yeah. keeps saying, "I just need to hear you say you were there, that you were there when my wife was killed." And eventually, the guy just like, "Yeah, all right, I'll admit it, I was there." And immediately, Gray's like, "All right, stem, kick in, morphin time." And sure enough, we get another sort of big yep. set piece moment where I- he's fighting this guy. I appreciate the idea that stem is in total control of the body and in. While he's in control, he also just sort of doesn't have the pain receptors going or anything yeah. like that. Well, actually, but, a detail here that I liked on that point is that mm-hmm. at one point the guy picks him up and sort of like runs like across the room. Yeah, and the back of Gray's head hits like a lamp, and he does like react to that because his head does still feel pain. He can't yeah. turn off the pain in his head. So I like that little detail that his head is still vulnerable to. You know, yeah. obviously he'd be vulnerable to being killed by being shot in the head, but even mm-hmm. being hit, like he has to defend his head because he will feel that. Yeah, it's a smart little detail. But what I what I was going with that is that I can because of that way that he does the stand up from mm-hmm. the completely lying flat. All I can imagine is that Stem is like hyper extending the muscles in his ankles to do that, <laughs> and that's fine. He can do it, whatever. But I fully expect the moment that he's like, "You are now in control of your body," he just goes holy crap stem you snapped my tendons oh yeah yeah i see what you're saying he should he should be in pain when he gets control back because oh yeah. shit you've been twisting all my body parts in ways that don't make sense exactly. one of the details that we've not mentioned about the bad guys is that the four bad guys in the team all have implants where they've got like a gun built into their arm that's right yes so they've got like a loader up their arm and then they've got like a in the palm of their hand they've got the the actual mm-hmm. barrel and then it's discovered that this sort of implant comes from the same company that the dead wife was working at. Yeah, because they are vets, and this is like apparently some vets who get injured in battle, they basically become, as one of them puts it, lab rats, where they're given the mm. experimental tech to test out. So, yeah. But it seems like these guys have went kind of rogue, and they're now mercenaries for hire. And the leader Fisk, as we find out when he comes to talk to the bar owner to like question about these events, he yeah. thinks he's like God walking on water, where he's like you pathetic scum you should be privileged serving my kind like that's what mm-hmm. he says to, it's it's really weird but anyway uh we get this action scene here um it's it basically stem tortures the guy by cutting up his face to get him to talk mm-hmm. because when gray asks him for information he doesn't tell him so stem goes to work on him and gets the information and then yep. it's funny actually because when he comes back out the bathroom he's back in the chair again and he's he's wheeling out and like everyone's surprised because everyone in the bar 
like heard screams thought it was him screaming because they thought oh they're taking him back there to teach him a, t- a lesson right. for talking up in the bar uh, but then they see him roll back out and they're like wait a minute what the hell happened and the bar owner goes back and sees like the carnage and is like i need a mop <laughs> someone get me a phone and a mop needs a mop um so one other thing that happened earlier on is that he was actually called back to the lab by aaron and yeah. was basically told, like we said, that the computer chip will do whatever you tell it to do. But he explicitly told him, like, stop. If you are caught, if you are arrested, or at worst, if you are killed, you will be caught. They will see your chip, and then I am going to jail. So <laughs> cut it. Yeah, and, and he, he threatens that he can turn them off. Well, actually, I don't even think he threatens. I think Stem just says that to him. He's like, he says, hey, it's before they go to the bar, he says to mm-hmm. Gray, if we go to the bar to try and find this next killer, then Aaron will know that I'm where we are and he will try and shut me down remotely and you'll be yep. quadriplegic again. So when they're at the bar after the fight, he's like, hey, I can sense Aaron trying to shut me down. We have to deal with that. He's like, okay, mm-hmm. how do we deal with that? Well, we have to go to like a, a black market like mm-hmm. hacker and, and get them like, to take off the safety guards. <laughs> we we need you, someone that can hack into the chip on the same level as Aaron and take off the safety guards. He's like, oh, okay, I'll just open up my book of hackers. And he's like, oh, don't <laughs> worry, I went on the dark night yesterday and found one for you. It's like, oh. <laughs> Which does lead into the idea that this is a big part of Stem's plan, is that he needs to get these safety blocks removed mm-hmm. so that he can do what he wants to later. Uh, but So we get this sort of like, okay, get to this address that's like 10 streets away, and he's like running down there. There's no time. Mm-hmm. He's also like telling him code to write in his arm because the hacker's going to need this code to to do the thing. Yeah. Uh, but by the time he gets to the building, like his leg stops working, so he's sort of crawling up the hallway and he gets to the door. Um, this hacker's a very cookie one, aren't yeah. they? Uh, because Gray calls him Jamie because that's what Stem called them, and mm-hmm. she's like. That's not my name. Also, don't ask my gender. And it just, I actually thought this was quite funny the way it cut to Gray. He's like, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Wasn't planning on it. Yeah. This, this was the one point in the movie. So everything else to me felt like it was kind of like the world itself is developed, but they just kind of brought things up and then dropped them very quickly. For instance, in that um, scene where Fisk is at the bar talking to the bartender. We oh, get this th- shot. This was the worst. Yeah. This was the worst uh, bit of tech in the movie. That was just it exactly. Just felt, it felt like a just wild idea that didn't fit with everything else. Which is that he can sneeze nanobots that will then fly into the nose of the victim and then just eat their brain. Right. And it comes. It, you see the visual. You know exactly what it is. And then it just like never comes up again. They have one passing reference when he's fighting Fisk later on, but like it doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. So especially when I'm like. Like the scene would have been served just as well by him holding up his hand and shooting them. Like, yeah, like you've you've, you've set up the, the gun and the hand. We're going to use it again later, so this establishes it further. Mm-hmm. This nanotech never comes up again, so I don't even know why yep. why they bother. But that's but. but see, that's what I think. This same sort of thing is we get this hacker, and the hacker does hack into the guy's chip and takes off as they called it the input safety guards, but. Then the hacker just disappears, just walks away. And as they're walking away, they specifically say, like, we can't let them win. They're very cryptic, very like, oh, what do we mean by that? But then just leaves. Well, actually, I've already finished the movie and I have to ask the question again. Who is them? Because <laughs> I still don't know. Right. And that's <laughs> what I think. So currently under uh, Lee Winnell's 
filmography like slated to come up. He's a director on a series called Upgrade. I think oh. that this was kind of a thing where he had an idea for like sequels and such. And this is kind of like the hook to a larger universe where he was like, we can follow this hacker character. So there's going to be a TV show potentially that uh, potentially builds on it's, that's be, interesting. it's still in pre-production and I don't know how long it's been in pre-production considering this came yeah, out I mean, in 2018. Yeah. It may but, be development hell. Yeah. I mean, never... yeah, that's but a... I still think that's the idea of it being this hook where it's, if we want to branch out, here's a character we can focus on. Yeah, I'm totally glad you brought this up because I, like, that line, we can't let them win because when he, when they said it in this this scene, I didn't mm-hmm. remember it from my first viewing. I went, wait a minute, what does that refer to? I don't remember that coming up again. And yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't come up again. Like, I guess you could try and read the implications here, but it's not like, I don't think the hacker wants the computers to take over and no. certainly doesn't, so I don't think they wanted to help STEM. I don't know, it's, it's weird. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, so the, the thing what? that does get set up here, though, uh, thematically, yes. is when he comes into the room with the hacker, there's a bunch of people who are hooked up to VR sets, and they're all just like, and they're hooked up to like IVs and piss bags and stuff. And yeah. he's like, what, are they all in VR? He's like, yeah, they, they stay in VR for like weeks sometimes. And he's like, but why? Like, why would anyone want to live in a fake world? And the hacker says, well, the fake world doesn't hurt as much as the real world. And this is like the one kind of shoehorned attempt at foreshadowing something at the ending, which I don't think is satisfying. But it's technically here. Technically, they set it up with that line. But I mean, yes, I see what you're saying. But on the other hand, I'm not praising it. I, I, no, I don't no. think it's enough. I'm not oh, no. that clear. I don't think it's enough. All I could think of the moment this scene started, because I knew how it was going to go. They're all in VR and like clearly they've been in that for a long time. It's just that scene from Inception. It's just the exact scene where he enters a room where a whole bunch of beds of people yeah, are sleeping. Is, and yeah. he's like, oh, do they just sleep? And it's like, oh, the dream has become the reality. Who are you <laughs> to say otherwise? And I'm like, I've seen this before. This exact scene. No, that is completely fair. Uh, so by this point, uh, the Fisk basically read the eyeball data because they've all, they've all got like, you know, eye implants and shit yeah uh, he's read the eyeball data of the other guy that was killed at the bar and he, because gray talked about the address that he was going to in front of him he knows mm-hmm. where he is so fisk and he's one remaining other dude <laughs> like the other guy yeah. the long-haired dude uh they're coming to get him so there's this sort of countdown where when they show up to see him and the hackers fled mm-hmm. like gray's on the floor and he's like yep. shit i can't do anything because he has to wait for his system to reboot like that the hacking's been done but mm-hmm. stem shut down until the, the systems reboot luckily though stem kicks in at the last possible second to start fighting these two because yep you know he Ray's starts doing do backflips out the room just to escape um there's <laughs> also a thing of aaron having believed that he shut stem down has sent a retrieval team to go pick him up in order to get them back to the lab uh, which makes sense, but they just get killed by Fisk when they're coming up. They even get to have an action scene. They get killed in the elevator before the doors mm-hmm. open. It feels like that was more so to show the, like, veracity and how much of a formidable foe Fisk actually is. I but, think that's, yeah, I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, but, like, I didn't, it didn't do enough, I guess, yeah. in that direction. It just still kind of felt like, yeah, no, he's got a lot of tech stuff, but, like, I think the biggest problem is that we're told that the chip that he has the chip that 
Gray has is so much more advanced than anything else that currently exists that it doesn't feel like no matter what Fisk does that he could ever be on the same level. I don't even think that that's the problem, really, because I think they do a decent enough job when they actually fight later that feels mm. like, oh, no, Fisk, because he has actual experience plus the enhancements, like, he's actually mm. do he's holding his own against Stem. Stem even says, he's predicting my every move, like, my, my efforts here aren't working. And then, mm. obviously, it's Grey actually in, basically provoking a, an emotional reaction out of him by by making fun of his, his like, his friend that he killed by saying hey his brother he wasn't much of a soldier when i killed the little bitch like he was pathetic Mm -hmm. like that's what ultimately puts him off his guard and then stem can win the fight so again it's showing you that idea of the human element was needed like the the computer on its own couldn't do it you need the human element but here's what here's what I, I, i want to talk about though is that the problem here isn't that it's not that the villain isn't good enough necessarily to fight him because he is good enough to fight him, um, but obviously we know that Stem ultimately, with with Grey, will overcome him, right? That's your typical mm-hmm. hero versus villain, especially in your first movie, right? Not that I necessarily... I guess there is potentially sequels happening, but just as yeah. I'm a standalone movie, like that, that makes sense. That's what you do for your story. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger problem is that probably in the bar scene, I think it was, when he was killing the uh, the guy there, it, that, I think that's the first time it comes up or maybe it's when he kills the first guy but regardless it comes up one of them says that they were hired to do this job and as mm. soon as that is said these four guys that he's hunting are like okay they're just like the, the grunts right yeah there's a real like the real person who's responsible for killing his wife is now some mystery to be revealed later on and the problem with that is, is that we spend so much of the time now hunting these four guys down. And I think if Fisk was just the big bad that it was building up to, and that's mm-hmm. what the, the big climax of the movie was going to be, you could give that more time, make it a big, a even bigger fight than it actually is. And you really take a bit more time to set him up as this really evil scumbag that we want to see him take him down. But the problem is, is you've already told us, no, there's someone up higher up the food chain and he is right. just the muscle. So... All the attempts to make him feel like he's he's got enough character to make us really care that he's getting beat just feel a little bit hollow because we're waiting for the reveal of who's really behind it all. And obviously it does feel like either it's obviously Aaron because he just feels like such a slimy little prick <laughs> or it turns out to be Stem, which it does, and mm-hmm. the movie is goes down this path of, no, no, Stem's been manipulating the whole time because he wants to take his body for himself. Now... I don't conceptually have a problem with that idea, but not only is the ending very rushed, so it feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere when it does come up. Yeah. Despite the fact that you can go look back and see the hints, kind of, if you look for them. The bigger problem I have is that, to me, this movie starts off with Grey being very anti, like, technology, or at least, you know, modern, like, future technologies. He's against computers taking over for humans. He believes yeah. in doing things himself. And to me, it almost felt like the movie, when it opens, is setting up this idea that he's got, that his arc, at least in part, is going to be learning to actually trust an AI. Kind of like iRobot, I guess, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, doesn't like robots to begin with, but over the course of the movie has to learn to trust one. And it's this acceptance that, oh, hey, this robot actually might have a conscience and might have a soul or whatever. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying STEM has that, but it kind of felt like maybe he has to accept that he needs help so therefore he has to accept that he has to rely on a machine and therefore mm-hmm. 
that's maybe his arc. I think maybe some of that's what my expectations are based on the opening act, but because he's already so against all this stuff at the start, it is a little bit strange to me that the ending's like, no, he was right all along. He should have never trusted machines and technology because the technology ultimately was out to get him. That's a little bit, like, I don't know. It just it feels like a weird step to me in a, in a sense. I think the other problem yeah. is that there's another movie that came out a couple of years before this. I won't spoil what it is because it is a spoiler for the ending. Okay. But the idea that the robot was manipulating the main character the whole time for their own ends... I think I'm actually looking at the poster for the movie that you're talking about because <laughs> it's on the more like this. Yeah. So I've already seen this ending uh, done better and less rushed. So mm. you add all these things together where I thought I was going to get more of a bonding with a robot story combined with the fact that it wasn't fleshed out enough, combined with the fact that I've seen this darker ending done better in another movie mm. only a couple of years before this. You add all those together and the ending's pretty unsatisfying i think yeah i mean i i i don't think i was going into it expecting it to be the bonding story i think that's where it signals early on well, is this idea that he does I, need to be that i said bonding is an example I, I guess really all i meant was is him realizing that he has to rely on something because clearly that's not something he likes he likes to do things himself um, right. Well, that's I, what... I, I think that fits in though, to a story of someone who's in an accident like this. Well, mm-hmm. it's not an accident, but you know what I mean. Like someone who gets injured like this, it's very common for people who end up in a wheelchair or something like that to really have a problem with people helping them because they want to prove yeah. that they can still do stuff on their own. So it almost felt like a natural arc to give the character in that well, sense. That's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. So once the safety guards are removed, we get a whole thing where the cop comes back and she now fully suspects him because his wheelchair was at the bar and he had to leave it behind. So it's almost definitive. And she manages to bug the room and hear her talking to STEM. But the big thing in that sequence is his mom finds out. And his mom was, as you said earlier in the movie as well, trying to help him. And then she just sees him walking into the room because she has keys to the house. I think that the story that I was kind of expecting around this point was obviously stem at this point says when you took down the safety guards it made it so i don't have to get your permission anymore i can just take over your body so we're gonna see this thing through to the end and i thought at that point it was going to go the route that basically it kind of was going for a while there where he's fighting against stem obviously he does still want to see justice for his wife but he's like not just a meat puppet he is going to be someone who's getting his own control back and I thought that the end of the movie was basically going to be this idea that he has to get rid of STEM for whatever reason, and then he goes back to being quadriplegic, but like he understands it's okay to live like that. It's not something mm. where he does need the ability to walk around. He doesn't need to be that. He is able to just live life as he is and make the best of it. And the reintroduction of his mom is what I thought really was going to sell that, because she's basically selling the idea of like, you don't have to do this. You I, Like, I'm here for you. I can be that thing that you, quote-unquote, rely on, rather than this chip. Oh, yeah, that makes but, a lot of sense, yeah. I get yeah, that. It, of course, it doesn't end up going that way because I, it goes think, for more of a grim, dark ending. Yeah, I think the thing is, though, I, I don't... Again, conceptually, I have no problem with the other oh, computer's been playing him the whole time because it wants to mm-hmm. get out. Because you know, the big thing we find out in the ending is when he goes to Eron's place, mm-hmm. is that Eron's like, 
Yeah, I'm not in charge of this company. I haven't been for years. STEM's been controlling me for years. Mm-hmm. And this was all his plan to like get out into the world. And he picked you as a host, effectively. And... I like he, he picked him specifically because like everyone else has some level of cybernetic stuff on them. <laughs> He's the only one who has nothing. He's totally fresh. Yeah, and... I, again, conceptually, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think it does enough to earn this ending. I, yeah. And I think part of it is because it is so rushed. Like, there's certain things I like in this ending. I like, you know, Stem trying to shoot the, the cop lady and basically Gray fighting him and trying to, like, you know, mm-hmm. move his hand to the left so that he can't do it. And, like, saying, no, I don't want to do this. I don't, like, I'm not going to let you do it. She's innocent. Like, we're like, like I, I let you kill all the guys that murdered my wife because clearly I obviously have some mixed feelings on those guys. But <laughs> this woman is innocent. I'm not going to let you do it. Um, But then what happens is that Gray thinks he wakes up and that all of this has been some bad dream. He wakes up in the hospital as if it's after the car accident and mm-hmm. his wife's still alive and she's... You know, in fact, there's a moment uh, earlier on where he sees his wife in a vision, and it's probably quite. This is when Stem's rebooting, and maybe in hindsight you can sort of look at that and go, "Oh, this is Stem giving him like a like a, a motivating like visual in the or something." There's, you know? Yeah. There's also a moment where he shoots up out of bed, and he has a dream of basically his wife is next to the bed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I have a feeling that all of those quote unquote visions were just Stem priming this ending yeah like in advance because it feels like wait are they doing the whole thing was a dream and then it cuts to reality again and stems mm-hmm. like no uh gray's now inside his uh inside his fake world in his head so this is relating back to the vr stuff he's in his mm-hmm. fake world where he wants to be i am now in control and he just shoots the cop and he walks out and that's the ending it's just this you know this now stem controlled body walking out into the world and that's how the movie ends yep um and like Again, conceptually, this is all fine. The problem is, is that I remember both the first time I watched it and this time, and this time it was almost worse because I knew it was coming, where once he goes to Aaron's place and we get the last, like, 10 minutes at most, it might even be less than 10 minutes, where all of this comes up. I mean, with credits, it's definitely less. Yeah. It just feels like they're rushing through these ideas so quickly, and I'm like, if you gave me a movie where it really did feel as it went on that we were starting to suspect that the computer was like manipulating them and like had Mm -hmm. some sort of sinister goal or or it was like i don't know but it just kind of feels like as well when you look back at the rest of the movie the only point where you could have stopped stem really was not remove the blockers with the 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 hacker so Mm -hmm. in this in these final scenes unless like gray can physically just power his own like body yeah, which in a way doesn't make much sense because he technically shouldn't be able to if the stem's the one who's letting him actually you know control everything. So yeah, but that, that I mean that's part of the sci-fi stuff, so we can kind of let that go. Well, there, there's a point to that that I wanted to make earlier on. Um, so when he's on the way, I believe to Fisk, it might be to Aaron. I can't remember which. There's a car chase scene, and uh, it's on the way to Fisk. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically the, Fisk. the cops following him because she's bugged him. This is like mm-hmm. after the whole scenes with the mum and all that. And mm. she, he basically does this whole thing where Stem takes control of another car on the road that's electric and got a computer right. to crash her. But here's the thing that I have a problem with, and that is that they specifically say, oh, your car and her car, neither of them are electric, so therefore Stem isn't able to do anything here. It's all up to Gray to be able to get rid of the cop, essentially. Yeah. 
Stem is able to fight. Stem is able to punch and kick and control the body. That's not electric. That's just the body. Why can't he drive this car? Like, sure, he can't control it directly, but he can control the body that's driving yeah, it. Yeah, um, maybe the idea here is that driving is more of an experienced skill. And while he might know the theory of driving a car, there's something to be said about the, the muscle memory. But the fact that they say this chip can do know. everything, I, it just seemed it, like they've been building up his skills so much that he can do anything. And then it's like, oh, but driving, <laughs> that's on you, buddy. Yeah, that's I guess it's kind of like the lockpick as well. Like, are, you could have argued STEM mm. should have taken control of him and done the lockpick, but it's not, no, no, you have this skill, so you can use, you, you're good at this skill, so you do it. Same yeah, with the car. You're good at driving, so you do I, it. Maybe it is a thing where he's basically just trying to give Gray an out, because at this point, he he's already revealed the fact, I can control your body whenever I want. This is kind of just giving Gray that little extra, like, I'm going to let you control your body right now, because... Mm. I I know that you can at least handle this decently. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, though, is that if you really look at it from the idea that Stem, his entire goal, as stated in the movie here, is to kill Aaron because Aaron could make another Stem chip, and he wants he, to be he wants to be one of a kind. One. Yeah, he wants to be the only. So because that's the entire goal, you think back to the moment where Aaron called them back to the lab, and that doesn't make much sense at all as to why that happened but why didn't he kill him there and the answer is because he still had those safeguards in place we needed permission to take over the body so in actuality the only two things that needed to happen was a he gets the safeguards removed b he kills aaron and i don't think that this going through and killing all the rest of the members of the family or whatever or of the people who killed his wife i don't think that was really required I feel like he could have come up with a completely Stem. different plan that would yeah. have been much easier well, to get his safeguards removed. Now, to be fair, I think that's more about, like, this gives some villains for 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 Grey to want to, to be dealt with. Mm. So this builds up trust. This builds up Grey to trust Stem enough that he goes along most of this trip, which gets him to the hacker. So at this point, he trusts him a lot more. So yeah. that's part of the manipulation. I, and so I, I'm fine with that. I think my bigger problem with the plot as a whole is that as far as Grey actually having a chance to fight Stem, mm-hmm. like, well, he, he basically gets no chance because he doesn't know that he's fighting Stem for most of the movie. But mm-hmm. even if you look back in hindsight, there's only, like, once those safety guards are gone, there was never any hope of him winning. Like, there was never any hope of him or oh, like, yeah. having any agency to actually win the fight. So mm-hmm. it just kind of feels all a bit hopeless after that point when you sort of look back on it. Can it... I'm sorry to take this sideways, but I just had this crazy-ass thought that I want to run by you. Okay. So, after the sequence where Aaron is knocking out the chip, he's, he's you know, tip-powering it down, taking it offline, they show one shot that I just remembered, which is from Aaron's lab, his perspective, yeah. and they show the monitor saying, error, like system error. I don't think he actually shut down the chip. I think he yeah, tried okay. to, yeah. but I think that the entire thing was just Stem which, faking it. Which makes sense, because if he can shut down Stem, then why would Stem be controlling him? It makes mm-hmm. much more sense that Stem's just f- lying that he's being shut down to mm-hmm. convince Grey to go and get the blockers removed. And mm-hmm. because they've been on this, this warpath, taking out these guys and in these dangerous situations where he's been literally saving his life... 
now Grey thinks he needs him. Not just to walk, but just needs him because yeah. he's helping him get all this done. So that's what I'm saying. It's building up this trust. And then it's like, hey, here's a reason why you have to get these blockers removed. Because mm-hmm. Aaron's going to stop us. But Aaron's not actually the one doing anything. If, if yeah. anything, Aaron... Maybe he does technically shut himself down. Because like, as we said... um the hacker does have to reboot it when the yeah. ha- when the hack's done. So maybe the reason why Aaron sends those two guys to come and pick him up is because he thinks, oh shit, now's my chance. He's turned off. He can see that he's turned off mm-hmm. and is sending people in to get him so that, oh, he can, he can, can finally get rid of STEM forever, finally kill it, and that yep. would be over. And th- th- these are actually okay little background details now that we're sort of talking about them and bringing them out. We're sort of drawing blood from the stone a little bit yeah. uh, with this. But I don't hate any of that's what we're saying right now. I, no, I, not at all. I, I just wish the all the ideas that it actually wants to do in the last 10 minutes, I just wish, one, it was more than 10 minutes, and two, mm-hmm. they were better built to over the course of the movie. Because the way the movie was building to me, not only did I expect a slightly different arc for, for Grey as a character, something a bit more positive, I guess. Yeah. But I also... It felt like an action movie, so I felt like it was building up to a big scene at the end where he was going to use all these cool action skills with all this cool cinematography, mm-hmm. and instead it's... We're going See, to stand and what, talk to the villain. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. It goes back to Saw, because you think about how Saw ended, and it's it's pretty much the same ending. Just, again, it's just in a slightly different format. Uh, but... I, I can see what you're saying, but the difference is, is that the ending in Saw is good and the rest of it's mediocre. <laughs> That's true. I'll give you that. Because I, I don't think Saw's that good. But nah, the, yeah. the ending's one of the best parts of Saw, and the twists make a bit more... They're at least more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has the potential to be much, much better, though. And in terms of a stylistic sense, it is better, but then it falls flat at the end because nothing mm-hmm. actually feels like it pays off. Like Narratively, it feels very unfulfilling at the end to me. Yeah. And that's a shame. Because no, I get that. I, potential's there. Potential is absolutely there. Mm-hmm. So, oh well, I guess we're going to rate upgrade. Oh boy. Um, do I have to go first? Yeah. Is that can we can we not switch that up on a new show that where it's like, hey, maybe every other episode Pete can just go first? It's not a new show. It's new to me. <laughs> <laughs> David, I am in control. Uh, <sighs> All right. Well, I'll just shut down and say whatever you want me to say then. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I agree that the ending is by far like the weakest part of this movie, but I was just having so much fun with it up until then. I think that if this were my second go around, I would be a lot more harsh on it because I'm not having that idea of I know where it's going. I, I can see this ending that's not going to be satisfying and therefore I'm just not enjoying it in the first place. But I was really into all the fight scenes. I think stylistically it had a good thing going for it. And I was hoping for a better sort of wrap up, but it just didn't quite get there. I'd say I would see this as maybe 6.5. That seems right to me. It just, Mm. it's, it had enough to it in the first part that I do think it is still worth a watch. And it might be even more than that if you think the style is enough for you. But yeah, it's it's because that twist ending, or it's not even a twist, just that poorly done ending kind of just doesn't have enough to it. I I can't put it as high of a 7. So 6.5 is where I'm at. Yeah. I think something you said there 
tracks for me i think i liked it a little bit more the first time because mm-hmm. well i there was imperfections along the way not knowing that the ending was going to be such a disappointment meant i wasn't as down on it but i think this time because i knew it was going to be unsatisfying at the end i felt like it wasn't building to something the whole time because i knew it wasn't mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so i can't i mean i maybe give it a 6.5 last time maybe a seven a push i think this time i'm going to uh go with a straight six for me on this okay so that's reasonable it's the game of thrones problem where people loved game of thrones and then when all of a sudden the last few seasons tanked it actually ruined the first few seasons in retrospect yeah for the record i didn't like it at the start and gave up early in season two but you know yeah that's fair i'm ahead of the curve baby (laughs) can't keep me down so yeah, I will, uh, just before we get to David's little bonus homework segment, I'll just uh, say that you can support us on patreon.com slash TV and uh, get some bonuses for your trouble. We do two month- monthly bonus shows. We've got the $3 and up tier has access to the Criterion Cut, which is where we review a Criterion Collection movie every month. This month was uh, The Magician, directed by mm-hmm. Ingmar Bergman. Interesting little film. And then $5 and up, you get access to Extra Reels, which is me and David doing some of the worst movies of all time. Hopefully so bad they're amazing, but not always the case. In fact, this mm. month's was David Dakota's A Talking Cat. So, check that out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can support us over on Patreon. Um, yeah, next time on The Ace, we'll be looking at the first Mad Max, interestingly. Because yeah. uh, there's a new Mad Max coming out next year, so we have to start chipping away at that franchise. And unlike The Collector's Cut, which is the other, the other <laughs> show that me and David do, where we do franchises all in a row... We're going yep. to spread them out on Ace, so you'll get one every month or two. So Yeah, give or take. Yeah, look forward to uh, Mad Max next week. But yeah, mm-hmm. before we wrap up, we do have our little bonus segment, which is David's homework, which is David, yes. over the course of the next 200 episodes, give or take, is <laughs> going to go back and watch a movie that we've done in Ace before that I did with Tara, that he's not seen, so mm-hmm. that he's cop and all the sci-fi movies that the show's already done, so that he's more up to speed when we do countdowns and things like that. Uh, he's yep. currently focusing on 80s movies because we're going to do an 80s countdown next summer. So the next several months will be 80s films from the past episodes yes. of the show. So why don't you reveal what this episode's bonus or homework movie was? So because after I watched Upgrade, I thought, well, that was very cyberpunk. So I was like, I'm going to try to stay in that. I'm going to try to do another cyberpunk film. And my first thought was Blade Runner. But I decided against it because I know the gist of Blade Runner and it isn't quite the same level of cyberpunk as this. It's like a different sort of feel to it. So I I, I also didn't know which version I should be watching. Can I, can officially I guess? Here. I, I doubt you're going to get it, but go for it. I'm thinking of something that feels closer in terms of level of technology. My guess would be Death Watch, but I don't know. Okay. All right. I mean, that would have been fair. Um, instead, I decided to go with one that I had no idea what the level of technology was. Okay. Episode 10, we did Tetsuo the Iron Man. <laughs> That's a very different type of cyberpunk, very different type. <laughs> um, so yeah, Tetsuo the Iron Man is Ooh. a 1989, as you had it listed here, cyberpunk. I'm going to go ahead and say surreal horror. But... Well, it's a it's a techno horror cyberpunk film. Yes, it's a 
it's very much the one part that it has is the idea of integrating machine with man but it does it Mm -hmm. in a more horror way as you Cronenberg yeah (laughs) uh so yeah for anyone who doesn't know there's not much I can really say without spoiling it but there is a man who gets quote-unquote infected with something that causes him to basically turn into slash absorb technology and metal and he becomes the iron man and in terms of what i thought about it it's a goddamn fever dream it is i i i love it it's stylistically it's fantastic it's, it's very got this... industrial it feels it's like the most yeah. industrial movie i've ever watched like as soon as i went into this i immediately got this feel of it reminds me of what i remember like really early like vh1 mtv feeling like mm. where it had this like a whole lot of this movie was stop motion for the sake of like doing these super fast scenes and it's just very frenetic the whole way through and i also just want to throw out the audio design where I don't think anything was in camera. Everything was dubbed in after the fact. And it gives this really, really messed up feeling because you can just hear everyone's breath right in your ear. It's, it, it, it's, you called it a fever dream. It does, like, you know, obviously we did this way back at the start of the show. So my memory's mm-hmm. a little hazy now. Uh, that said, I don't know if you noticed at the end of that review, we did mention it has two sequels, which we never yes. got to. So. And you specifically said we will get to them. So now I'm scared for my own life. But <laughs> that's a thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say it's not for everybody, uh, but I did enjoy it just because it has this tone to it that I haven't seen anything really do in the same way. Very art house, very much a weird movie. It's only like an hour and like five minutes if even so i would say all in all that i'd give tetsuo the iron man a i give it like a seven it's it's strangely well done for something that is so clearly low budget and absolutely crazy as well yeah absolutely did the girlfriend see any of this one no dear lord <laughs> i was as soon as i i went to rent it and i was like okay well let's go ahead and just uh take a look at like what i am getting into and i watched like the little teaser trailer that youtube gives there was no way in hell i was going to try to sell that one uh what about upgrades uh i offered she was just busy she didn't oh, want to okay. take Fair the enough. time so it's not a weird movie i think it yeah. should have been fine with it but yeah yeah because I remember that action okay. scene. I was like, oh, yeah, this one. But, hmm. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, that wraps up another Atomic Cinema Experiment. On top of going to Patreon, like I already said, you can support us by simply hitting the like button on YouTube. It helps us out a lot if you do. More people will find the show, so please do. Or if you listen to the audio version, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Share hmm. us with your friends and whatever. That is the show, so thank you very much for joining us. And of course, if you've seen Upgrade, let us know what you think of the movie in the comments. Uh, Always nice to hear thoughts and feelings. Uh, But yeah, we will see you next time, guys. Keep watching science fiction and computer. Or I should say, STEM. Add salsa.